Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Toyota's Labor Day sales event is ending soon. Save big with 0% APR on 13 of Toyota's top-selling models like RAV4, Camry, and Corolla. Don't wait. Toyota's Labor Day sales event ends Monday. Toyota, let's go places. Click the banner or visit buyatoyota.com. It's time! You asked for it, and you got it. At BruceBuffer.com. Championship introductions at a special rate are now provided for all of you as a keepsake for life, like you are being introduced like a champion in the cage. Just go to BruceBuffer.com. Specials for championship introductions, weddings, birthdays, voicemail, and business recordings. I'm here for you if you need me. Check me out at BruceBuffer.com. With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are live! It's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Las Vegas where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. President Trump, film, TV, sex, drugs, rock and roll, COVID-19, and now much more to talk about with everything happening in our great country and the world during this week. And none other to be on the show with me than my co-host, TJ DeSantis, my producer. Hi, TJ. How are you? I'm good, Buff. Good. Strange times, TJ. We're going to get into it now. But I wanted to bring somebody on the show who definitely comes from a point of reference, a point of expertise, a point of history to talk about what we're all experiencing during this week with the protests that are happening at this time, instigated by the tragic, horrific murder and death of George Floyd. And I couldn't think of anybody else to share the dais with to talk about this than my good friend, my big brother, for many, many years, a man who I miss tremendously working in the octagon with, but I'm so happy for his success that he's achieved and everything he's doing at Bellator and all else in life with his beautiful wife, Elaine. But none other than the good man, the warrior himself, warrior spirit forever, big John McCarthy. How are you, John? I'm good, Bruce. How you doing, brother? I miss you. I miss you too, John. I miss you. I miss, I miss you stepping on my foot every time you finish <laughs> an announcement. So I miss it all. <laughs> it's all good. I'm good, John, but I'm, I'm obviously very disturbed and this is a very rough week. You and I have been in life for, you know, whether it's 55 years or so for you and 63 for me, you know, the Watts riots. I remember as a kid, 92, I remember very, very vividly. You were involved in that. You were an active LAPD officer in all that took place. And now we're experiencing again, seems it happens every 25, 30 years, another wave of protest that's involving not just protests, which are completely justified. The death of George Floyd is horrific. I can't begin to tell you how this has affected me. But at the same time, protest is proper, but things are happening now. 
stores being broken into, people's lives after COVID-19. We've been sequestered. We're just about to open up this week. Business is about to try to continue to survive. And now we get shoved not 10 paces back, not 20, but like 30. And it's very tragic. Uh, what's happening out there is needed to a large extent, but what, what I'm talking about is not needed. And and John, when you look at this, being a retired police officer, and I don't know if you're ever retired as a police officer. My brother's a retired officer, but I think once you're an officer, you're an officer forever. Um, how you look at this, John, and what is your what is your initial reaction, and how do you think this compares to what we experienced in '92, and could it escalate to that? Uh, multi-tier question. Sorry. It, it is multi-tier, but there's there's so much that goes behind what you're saying. And when you say, is it, what occurred in 92 was a little bit different than what occurred in 65 in the Watts right? And just like you said, every 25, 30, 35 years, we tend to have something that occurs. But this one's completely different. And it started with the same type of element. It started with a police incident. And, and you can go back to the L.A. riots. That was a Rodney King, but it was the trial. It was the trial of the officers and then the the not guilty plea that sent people over. And here's the difference. Those people were so mad. They were, it was people that were damaging their own area, their own stores, their own neighborhood. And that was, you know, it was wrong. It was tragic because they, they put themselves back. This today, this isn't people really from their neighborhoods, Bruce. This is people right. coming from the outside. This is planned. This is people doing stuff that people have planned things out and have sent certain people in to instigate situations and try to drive this wedge that there really isn't that wedge. There are people that are upset with something that occurred, and they should be. They're right. Mm -hmm. It was wrong. As you said, it was horrific. And I'm the first one as a police officer. I'm disgusted by what I saw, okay, because I'm disgusted in a multitude of for a multitude of reasons. One, I look at that incident and it's just, a, it's horrendous in the way they handle something. You have a handcuffed individual. Why are you putting any body weight on him? There's no reason to. He's, this, this man was not fighting. He was, he was, the only thing he was doing is he was resisting at a certain point, getting in a car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Stop and talk. It's no problem. Or And there's there are very simple ways to get him in the car without hurting him, without causing any kind of distress, and just making it happen naturally. These officers, for whatever reason, the one thing that really upset me, Bruce, was in watching that incident, they knew they were being filmed, which if you're doing something you know is wrong, and then you see someone filming you, you stop. You change the, the tactic. You change what you're doing. They didn't. They continued on, which meant that they were trained or they actually thought what they were doing was actually correct or okay. And that's where you look at you. Go, where in the world did someone ever tell them they could do this? And this was the proper thing to do. It was just everything about it is bad. And I understand why people are upset. But we have something going on in this country that goes beyond protesting because there are people out there protesting the right way and they're doing things because they are upset with this situation. And there are people that are trying to create a situational change based upon a horrible incident that they think can 
start to a ball in motion to change a political structure that they're not happy with. Right, right. So what is it, John, when you think about it and you talk about the choke, now, am I mistaken that in the Minneapolis Police Department that that choke is practiced? Well, for, first off, when you say choke, no one is taught a choke by putting yeah, that, yeah. Right, right. Excuse on, me. On Wrong choice of words. Wrong choice okay. of words. Yes. Okay. So right. is that a procedure that is taught? You, you know, I can't say exactly what's taught. I, have, I actually taught police officers in Minneapolis. Oh. But I, I didn't teach them those, you know, that type of tactic. And there are tactics when you are taking a person into custody and handcuffing where you will put a knee towards the middle of their back to control their body position while you're able to just take and put cuffs on them. And then that weight comes off. No one is taught to put weight on a human being, especially a large human being. One of the things that we were, I would say I was probably 10 years into being a police officer where positional asphyxiation became a topic. And it was something that we learned that, you know, we had no idea that this would occur. We used to put people that were really out of control, people that were hurting, trying to hurt themselves even. And we would handcuff them and we would do what was almost called a hog tie in bringing their feet and their hands together. So they couldn't kick, they couldn't do anything. And you would lay them down, you know, and we realized we had a couple of people in law enforcement have suspects that ended up dying based upon just being laying on their stomach, no weight on them. And we learned that there was this thing that occurred called positional asphyxiation. There is this lactic acid that builds up when they are so hyper. And we learned that we cannot just let people be on their stomachs, especially the larger the person, the more it occurs. So when you have someone, immediately we put them to their side. Same as in a fight in the fight world. We don't let fighters lay on their face. We turn right. them to their side right. because we cannot allow that positional asphyxiation to start to take place because once it starts to take place, it takes something to stop it. And you saw in that video, these guys, you know, there was someone that actually said something about it. And the other person said, no, what we're doing is right. And you go, oh, my God, no, what you're doing is absolutely wrong. And this is something that happens when – When you look and you say, it's not a choke, but George Floyd said he couldn't breathe. Obviously, yes, he can breathe because he's speaking, but his mind is telling him he can't breathe. So that's it. His body is shutting down. That is really what's occurring to him because it's no different than if you you suffer a traumatic injury, you can suffer a traumatic injury that you are not going to die from, but you can put yourself into shock. And you can die from the shock, not from the injury. And that's exactly what you're seeing occur with this incident. So when you look at that, and I'm with you in all your notes, John, your, all, your, all your points of reference here, the, the arrest that was made, which actually was kind of quick under the normal process, but he was arrested for third, uh, Derek Chauvin, the man that we know in the, in the video that was on the back of George Floyd. Um, the, the, the prominent officer in the situation, he was charged with third degree murder and manslaughter, which brings with it like a 25 year sentence. Okay. A lot of people. And one of the major, uh, things from the protests that people were expressing is why wasn't it first degree murder? And why are the other three officers not being arrested yet? 
So when you hear that, I know there's a process. I know there's a legal process. I know the DA and everybody wants to make sure they have everything in place so they don't make a false, a weak arrest to where people can get off. Bingo. Okay? Yeah. So That's exactly is, it. Is that what's happening? Okay. Well, you, you need to understand, when I heard that they filed third-degree homicide against the officer, I go, thank God. Okay. That was the right call because it's one that the – person who is the prosecutor has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt what occurred and why it occurred. Well, when right. you get into first degree murder, you're talking premeditated. You're talking about it being planned out. Right. He, this person was picked. There was a plan put in place. They set this person up and there was premeditation involved before the murder. That's not what occurred here. And so if you had, if you file that, you're never going to win it. And so the person's going to get off and then you have people really upset, which they should be. But that's because of the, the charge that was filed. When you get into second degree, second degree murder, you're talking about more of crimes of passion, someone getting upset. Someone, you know, they find out that, you know, their their partner is sleeping with someone else and they go and they get into a fight with somebody and that person ends up dying. That's a second degree murder because it's considered also a crime of passion. That incident really wouldn't have occurred except there was something that drew those two people together and then bad things start to flow and things start to fall into one on top of the other. It gets worse and worse and the person dies. That would be second degree. What they what they charged him with third degree murder is the absolute right charge because the officer did the officer responded to help another officer with the situation. Right. He didn't go there with the thought of, oh, I'm going to hurt somebody here. Right. Oh, I'm going to take somebody's life. It was his actions, even if his actions, he didn't have that thought process in his mind. I want to hurt someone. It is your actions led to this person's demise based upon either you doing something you shouldn't have done, which that's what he did. He was doing something he, sh he should not have been putting weight on this, this man the way he was. Mm -hmm. And so this is the right charge. And, you know, not every charge is going to bring what some people want is an eye for an eye and death penalty. This isn't that type of case. And I think that the, the district attorney filed the absolute right charge for his prosecutor to be able to file this case and win it. Hey, I have a real quick question. When it comes to that initial charge, um, a lot of people have heard the term uh, double jeopardy, John. Uh, when they charge him with, uh, say they went for second degree and he was let off there, they couldn't then go back and try to get him with third degree murder, correct? You exactly. can only charge him with murder once. That is exactly it. The only thing that once they charge him, with this charge, which is it's murder, okay, and they can even look, they can bring it down to manslaughter, which is the the involuntary death of another human being. You are responsible for it. If they charged him with first degree murder, and he got off, they cannot file third degree. They can't file manslaughter. So they're doing the absolute right thing in this plus, situation. Plus, take it another step further. If they file first-degree murder, he gets off. We've got Rodney King's situation all over again from the oh trial. God. And yeah. I don't even want to think about what that would be like. You well, know? because it, it, this is – a lot of people don't understand the law, and they're just saying that's not right. And what's not right 
is the situation. What's not right is if the prosecutor then looks at the situation and tries to file a charge that does not fit what happened in actual circumstances. And the process, you know, the DA in this situation or the actual, you know, the uh, state attorney, whoever it was that ended up filing that, he filed or she filed the absolute correct charge to get a conviction. That's what I felt was the case, knowing uh, lay, as a layman, having a brother and officer, my good friend, you, you know, retired officer, I, I had the feeling that what you're saying was going to be the case. And, and that backs it up. So let's take it another step. You have Derek Chauvin, the police officer in Minneapolis. You have him listing a series of some, and I could be off, 17 complaints against this officer over a period of time. He could actually quit the Minneapolis Police Department and go join another department and continue this. What sh- what needs to be done, in your opinion? I know that we have internal affairs in the police department. I know the police police the police. You know, as I know, that if 10 men, let's say, are in a room, there's going to be one bad egg. I don't care if you're, you know, police officers, fighters, announcers, whatever. There's going to be one bad egg, you know, maybe there two. There are no bad announcers there, Bruce. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> of course, just me, of course. A work in progress, always. So what, as a police officer, do you feel needs to be done for the police to police the police better, to both handle situations like this better, as if it can be done, but also to appease the public outcry of what is being done. I mean, racism is horrific in this country, and it's, it's been this way for hundreds of years since we started this country. And I don't know if it will ever end, John, but what I'm wondering is what can we do in this case to make this better? And I don't know of anybody else to ask than a police officer like yourself. Well, I, I think it comes down to, you know, it's the simple things is, look at what you do, Bruce. Okay, now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna hit, sit here and, and pump you up because you created. Now, if you go back and you watch UFC eight, you were horrible. Oh, it's okay? disgusting. Yeah, horrible. and I was horrible. Okay, but <laughs> we learned from our mistakes and we got yeah. better. And and you know what? We had a passion for something, and you have created this, this element that nobody else does in your field of work. You're not your brother. Your brother does something in a way that he's fantastic, but he's Michael and you're completely different. You're Bruce and what you do fits with where you're at. And that's what makes you special. Thank you. Well, there's a lot of guys that would like to do what you do, Oh yeah. but they can't, they're not meant to do it. It's just not part of who they are. And it's not what they're capable of actually doing. And one of the biggest problems I think that we've had we have had police departments and we've had lawyers and legislators and city council people sit there and say, anybody can be a police officer. Well, that is not true. Right. It's just not true. We have people that are not meant to be police officers that departments are being forced to hire and then they don't do well in the academy and they're being forced to retrain and a lot of these people are the people that end up becoming problems later on down the road. Not everyone's meant to fly the space shuttle. I wasn't. There's a reason they don't put John McCarthy in to fly that thing, because it would turn into a giant pile of rubble. Because <laughs> I would fly that thing into the earth. You know, there's things that certain people are, are meant to do, and there's certain people that are not meant to do those things. And being a police officer takes a specific type of person. It takes a confident person. Everyone thinks, you know, look, 
I'm not going to pump myself up, but I didn't get into a lot of fights as a police officer. I talked my way through it because I was confident that if it did get to a fight, I was going to be okay. You take people and you put them into situations where now they are, you know, that's a, a big suspect. Things start to change based upon your abilities and what you're proficient in. And so, you know, I think really we need to step back from who's allowed to be a police officer. And just because you want, that's great. But we've we've taken the actual, you know, I, I was just talking with someone today and it used to be on the LAPD, which is a long time ago. You had to run a mile and a half in 12 minutes. That was the maximum time you could take or you were, you know, you're weeded out. Yeah. Now it's at 21 minutes. What? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could walk that sucker. Okay. But that's my point. We keep on having people in positions, city council people and everyone, police commissioners, they keep on making this easier and easier and easier. So where anybody can do it. You can't, these are the people that end up causing your problems. People that are not strong in what they do. You know, also too, it's like, I got to go back to my brother, Brian, who was an FTO as you've been an FTO and you worked the Academy. And I visited you at the Academy when you were an active officer with Brian, you know, and had the pleasure of doing that. One of his big complaints and even trained uh, in Redondo, the current chief of police is one of his FTO training officers. You know, he was an FTO training officer to this man and, you know, they became the chief of police. But he said, he goes, he was training that the quality of personnel coming in, right? Granted, they want to do the job, but the quality, like you're pointing out, the height requirements going from like 5'8 to 5'4, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being 5'4 or being an officer. If you're 5'4, that's okay. That's okay. Can you do the job? Exactly. That's my point. So when you're 5'4 and you've got the 6'4 and he wants to not go to jail, can you take him and put him into custody without looking like a fool. Right. Questionable, right? I'm sure there's ones that stand out, but questionable. So how do we how do we do that? Better screening, less hiring. You know, obviously Better I'd rather training. have two training. I'd rather have two great officers than five non-great officers on the field. Exactly. You know, and that has to happen. Internal affairs and the policing, we have the body cams. There's everything out there to be able to judge these situations. But then we have problems with certain departments that we read about that could be hiding situations. So it's a matter of, you know, all that. This is a constant problem. John, do you think it'll ever be done properly? Or is it just going to forever be a work in progress? No, I I see it as just becoming actually more of a problem. You know, one of the things that you said is, we really see it with police officers. We don't see it. How many bad doctors are there? Okay. How many doctors do surgeries that completely alter someone's life or take their life? Okay. I've had friends that have gone in for simple procedures and have come out dead. All right. We don't say anything about the doctor because, oh, that's what happens when you have surgery. Okay. We have bad people in every form of an occupational position there is. Yes. But we should always be searching for the people that are up at that level. You know, it's no different when, you know, I've had it with, you know, refereeing and, you know, doing courses. And I had so many people in state athletic commissions, your standards are too high. You need to lower. No, my standards are not too high. Do you want the person that, you know, passed, you know, at top of their class? Or do you want the person that passed the bottom of their class? Which is the one you want doing your surgery? Which doctor? Okay. It doesn't mean that the one that's at the top of the class can't end up being bad, 
but I'd rather have the person that's showing me that they have the proficiency for doing something. We have got to start holding people accountable and yes. making them pass a proficiency and maintain that proficiency through training that shows that they're capable of understanding what to do in a situation, how to handle it, and make it as smooth as possible. Agreed. And also, too, as an officer putting on a uniform every day, you be, you're a target. You're a target, but at the same time, and you're targeted for abuse, you're a target for many things, but at the same time, if an officer breaks the law, they need to be treated like anybody else that breaks the law. No doubt about it. Plain and simple. And that's got to be understood. When you see, um, as I did in Santa Monica, you know, near near where I live and, and even closer to where I live, you know, stores I shop at, restaurants I eat at being vandalized and ripped up and demolished. It's, 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 it was such, it is completely surreal to watch this. And one of the things that people talk about, and I do too, but I understand why they couldn't, when you see looters running out of stores with boxes like this and officers standing there who are told to stand down, and yet there's everybody around them robbing and doing this, and they got to wait for that order to do what they can. They're understaffed, undermanned. You know, uh, they're facing odds of many more people. But, but John, explain to the audience why they stand down, why you saw that with them running around. You know, well, I'm telling you right now, Bruce, yeah. I'm gonna, I'll take you back to 1992. Okay. All right. Uh, when I knew something was going to happen, I was working a gang unit back when the riot started. They did what's called a code alpha, which means they want you all to meet up at a certain place. And they, they had picked Wilshire Station for us. And we get there and there you can hear shots going off. All of a sudden you get officers need help. And when you have that, that's when everyone, man, you take off and you go. And the I'll never forget the, the captain of Wilshire Station. His name was J.I. Davis. And he got on the radio and said, no one go. Do not respond. And I basically went, <laughs> Screw you. And I yeah. took off and I never came back to the station. I went and did my job. Right. When someone gives you an order that is an unlawful order, be it go arrest people that are walking the street without a mask. Okay. And you're a police officer. And so are they allowed to walk the street? Yes. Show me the law that says they have to have a mask on. There's no law. There's an, there's an asking by the governor or the, you know, a a surgeon general or something like that. Okay. But there's nothing in the law. You're not going to see me going and arresting. You're not going to see me doing anything. I will not violate the constitution in the United States because I get an order. That's what happens when you have anarchy and you have things like what happened. Look at, look at the soldiers in world war two who said, well, my superior told me to, if you know it's wrong, don't do it. Right. If you know it's wrong for you not to do something to stop what's occurring, don't stand there and do nothing. Do your job. That's what you have been paid for, and that's what you held your hand up and took an oath to do. I have a problem when people say, oh, I was told not to do anything. Sorry. That's an excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go back to horrific things like the uh, the Cali, Lieutenant Cali incident in Vietnam when they demolished that entire village. You go. You know? Yeah. You do what you have to do. At the same time, if you're one of those three or four officers around uh, the officer that, you know, Derek Chauvin, that that uh, did what he did to George Floyd with assistance by other officers, stand up and say, this is wrong. This knock has to stop. Yeah, knock him on his, his ass. Kick him off you him. Know. Whatever. Get in a fight with him. Stop it. You know? Anybody you see is, is kneeing on top of somebody for that long. Give me the reason why it would be good. There's none. Now, you know, we, we just you know. got out of... 
at all. And you know, we, we're, we're in, not just got out, we're in this COVID-19 pandemic situation, okay? And with that being said, we have people gathering in huge masses of people without masks and everything else. Does it bother you to think that maybe the COVID-19 virus is going to spike now with all this going on, thinking about that? Uh-huh. Or you know, who knows? We'll find out when we it'll, find It'll out. be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. But, you know, the, the horrific thing amongst everything going on is when you look and realize that restaurants were about to open up, you know, to a third of capacity or whatever it was. It, we brought tears in my eyes. I saw this sushi restaurant that I've been in in Santa Monica on the promenade. It had a sign in the window, 30% off for pickup. They're just trying to stay alive, yep. right? What are you going to steal out of a sushi bar, okay, much less setting it afire, Right. I'm sure eBay is rampant with van seekers right now being sold, you know, whatever the case might be. John, when you see this element and you realize of what's going on and when you see the leadership we have in this country and the way they're reacting to it, um, whether it be yesterday, the way that President Trump and the White House handled the peaceful protesters out in front of the White House, you know, with the gas that was released. Do you have any issues with the way that our leadership is handling this situation? Right now, I have issues with everything that's occurring right now in our country. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest; it's we're a mess. We're yeah. America, this is the greatest country in the world, Bruce. But no we question. have lost our minds as far as we've gotten into this us against them. It's my way or the highway. Yeah, I can't listen to anybody else. If you don't agree with my point of view, then you're wrong. I mean, we're just we've just lost our minds on. What's rational? And it gets back to what we're talking about. When someone gives you uh, an, an order that that's illegal, don't I'm not going to follow it. You know, we've got to start taking responsibility. Quit putting things off and say, well, they're doing it. You've got to be the first one to stand up and do things the right way. Yeah. Are you a follower or are you a leader? Do you want to, you know, that's it. I mean, there's not much other choice. What is right and what is wrong? So. People say, I talk to my stockbroker, whatever example, you know, buy, sell, buy, sell, history proves this, history proves that, police, well, history proves it. John, I don't think there is history anymore. I think we're writing history right now. We're writing history that we don't have history. We're writing history, you know, and it's not good. No, this is I'm, not. This is embarrassing. The but, only thing I, the only thing I can think about as an individual, as us as individuals, is to be as much of a role model, like I say at the end of every show, but as much of a role model to our sphere of influence about what's right in this world. You know, you and I, our parents are from the World War II generation. We could talk about our fathers all day long, okay, as much as we love them and know what they stand for and stood for in my case. And with that being said, I still think that old breed attitude works. And I, and we have to inst- not instill it, but just stand tall for what we believe in to be the best we can be and lead a problem I have with our leadership today Lead by example. Lead by example. And hopefully that will help. I don't know if it's a cure, because I don't know if there is a cure, John. That's true. It's, it's survival of the fittest. Yeah. Right? It's, well, it's yeah. the Darwinian theory of evolution stronger than ever. I, I go by the simplest, simplest way is, you know, our leaders our leadership now in a lot of ways is trying to make excuses for everybody. Yeah. There, there are no excuses. Start to take responsibility. That's what, you know, everyone start, if, you, if more people start taking responsibility and start saying, you know what, that's on me, mm-hmm. we'd have a whole lot better things going on. I agree. Look, when a fighter loses, 
<laughs> and you're interviewing him in Bellator, which, by the way, you're doing a great job, my friend. Great job. You know, Scott Coker, nothing but respect, doing a great job. Keep it going, my man. Say hi to Mike for me, okay? I will. Uh, and you hear the fighter making excuses. Why not just say, I didn't win the fight? You know, I, I'm, I'm this person. I didn't show up tonight. I just, it wasn't me. I'll be back, right? Learn from it. It's, it's, part, it's part of just the way things are today. It's what Magic Johnson was the greatest person I ever listened to talk awesome. about taking responsibility. Because he talked about every championship he won. He gave credit to all of his teammates. Yes. Gave credit to Michael Cooper for his defense in this. And James Worthy and how he did this. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And every loss, there was it was no one's fault except his own. He took all responsibility, even when it wasn't. Even when he played a great game, he took. No, no, that was on me. And you look and say, and that's why Magic Johnson was a winner. And if I'm going to follow someone, let me follow someone that is a winner. So let me start taking responsibility. If I lose, it's on me. Let me figure out why I lost. Let me learn from it. Let me get better, and let me move on. That's why I follow you, and that's why you follow me. So yeah, <laughs> it works both ways. And another thing, you look at a you look at a beautiful series of documentaries like ESPN's The Last Dance with Michael Jordan. Yeah. And Michael Jordan, the same ilk. You yes. know, it's there, it's there. But not everybody's made that way, John. And no. but leader, leadership is key because you can't listen. World's a pyramid. It's made up of leaders at the top. Whether it's the top of your family, the top of your business, top of the police department. That's not the most important. The whole thing is the most important because if the base doesn't follow the top, it falls apart. That's right. Okay? Without the foundation, what happens at the top? And look at our foundation as a country right now. Oh, please, good. please, please. Oof. Crazy stuff. John, um, Bellator, everything's going well. You know, we're having shows in the UFC. Thank you for all your, your, your talk about this. Um, we could talk about this all day long, but people are in a flux right now. Yeah. And I, we need direction and positive direction more now than ever with results. Um, I could talk about that all day, but I want to switch over a second. We just got done doing the Jacksonville shows that I did in, in Jacksonville, three shows, no audience. Last weekend, I wasn't there. They had the show at the Apex Center in Vegas. I give credit, tremendous credit to the safety and protocol put into effect by the UFC to show how this is done. There's obviously spending a lot of money to do it. When is Bellator going off? And I guess you're with no audiences too, of course, like us until further notice. When's your first show? When's it coming up? I believe Bellator starts up uh, in the first part of July and is going to be doing the same thing, running show after show after show. Yeah. And uh, we're looking forward to it because you, know, you said, you know, say hello to Michael. I said, I haven't seen Michael in a long time. It's <laughs> yeah. like I haven't seen you, but you know, it, I really am. I'm happy with the UFC and I'm happy that they got back. I didn't yeah. like what they were doing when they were trying to go to Tachi Palace because it was just, it was wrong for them. And what they did in Jacksonville was so right, and it was great, and I loved it. And I love that they're back at the Apex Center, and I appreciate the fact that they're putting on great fights and putting on things for us to watch that are not repeats. Yeah. So, you know, I really am happy that the UFC has – they've led the way in this. You know, Bellator is going to come and follow up and, and start doing their shows, and I just can't wait to get back to work. Uh, you know, you're going to love it. There's going to be a difference, I've noticed, without fans, but like people ask me – biggest question i get is what it's like to announce to no fans yeah and i love it's crazy i love the fans but see i'm always looking in the eye of the tiger it's just me and the fighter it's been that way when there's fifty thousand or ten thousand i don't hear the fans it's just me and the fighter so i can still bring it and i know it's more important for you as a commentator and me as an announcer to bring it more to create the level and the excitement for the show but i love the idea of hearing the punches harder the kicks harder you hear the breathing you hear the well, comments 
That's what I got to hear every fight there. Yeah. That's what people don't realize. It's, yeah. That's what the referee hears in every fight. Exactly. You know? And it's different. And and the one thing that's really funny is I you know, I watch you when you're doing your thing and it's great and it's, it, you haven't changed at all. Thank it you. is that's Bruce. Thank you. And but then I I do watch because then I watch Joe and Joe is in the position that I, you know, I'll be in the position he's in and he's going, you know, you know, give it up first. You know, there's no one to give it up. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, but it's it's natural to you. It's just so funny. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be. De- you know, it's the same. I, I got used to doing it in the Ultimate Fighter show with you know no crowds and stuff like that. But being the commentator and interviewing people, I really like what they did last uh, the last show from the Apex with Dan Cormier, and he was on the headset. I thought that really worked well for him and stuff. You know, that was the perfect way to do it. Yeah, I think so too. You know, it's a, it's a, uh, a a trial in progress or process rather. It's yeah. a process, and we're we're getting it down. And we have to look forward to the fact and embrace these shows because we might not have live people for till two twenty one twenty one. We don't know. Oh no, we don't know. We got we got so much to go through. Could it be a so. spike? I hope so too. I can't wait. But I have noticed, and you real, might find this real too. Real quick, Bruce, I, I, your desk the whole time. I'm always taking you know hundreds of pictures a night and and engaging the fans who deserve every bit of attention. Sure. Obviously, I can't take pictures with fans now. I can't shake hands with fans. John, I sit there at this big desk, you know, 15 feet away from the octagon. Nobody's next to me. I am enjoying the fights more than ever. <laughs> Not that I want it to stay that way, but. After I have the fights, I really can sit there and concentrate more than ever on the fights at hand. You know, it's a very interesting, again, slightly surreal experience, but I think you're going to enjoy it. And, of course, we all want the fans there. There's no question. Oh, yeah. We all want the fans there. Let me see. I had a couple of things before we let you go, John. Um, oh, hey, hey, Bruce. Here, there was a story in the in the uh, paper. i got to talk about this. In your lifetime in, in LAPD, I know you saw everything, everything you possibly could see. God only knows the things that you saw and witnessed. Did you read about this woman that kept her grandmother's body hidden in a basement freezer for 16 years so she collect, so she could collect her Social Security yeah. checks? Yeah, I heard about that. I, it never ceases to amaze people me. People are sick. Uh, sick see? people out there. Yeah. Okay, and, some, and, and there's people that thought, that person, she's a really good person. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and all of a sudden you go, she's a freak. Yeah, a and freak. she's a thief. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. It's, it's, nothing ceases to amaze me anymore. Oh. All right. I understand you moved out of California. I want to say you're at, but you love your new homestead. Everything's good. It is fantastic. I love where I'm at. Awesome, John. I miss you, my friend. Same miss here, you, brother. brother. You I know what happened? You. You're within miles or whatever. Reply to Ray. You let me know. I come to you. Okay. I love it. You got okay. it. You know you always have an open open invitation, brother. I know. I know, and it's always fun. Please give my love to Elaine. Okay. I will do so. You take All care. Right. Take care, John. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay sane. Always. Okay. Cheers. Hi, this is Stephanie from Safeway. Exciting news. Safeway, Chevron, and Texaco are offering even more savings at the pump. Now through September 8th, shop at Safeway and redeem up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations and at Safeway fuel stations. Shop Safeway this week and earn up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards. This is Stephanie from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is $1 per gallon in a single fill-up, up up to 25 gallons for a limited time. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details in-store or at Safeway.com. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer, (laughs) piano tuner, or plumber. 
Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Touch-free QR code payments. No seller fees until 2021. Not applicable to PayPal here transactions. Other fees may apply. Shop safe with PayPal. TJ, it's so good to have John McCarthy on the show. We've had him on the show so many times. He's he's the voice of reason. He's the voice of facts. He's the voice of the law. He's the voice of... Uh, I don't know what else just helps understand a little bit about what's going on. Did we come to any conclusions? Did we come to any resolutions? No. Really not. You no. Know, I mean, you're not going to. You know what I mean? This is uh, much bigger than a 35, 40-minute conversation. Yeah, it is. And with respect to that and all the importance of what we talk about in this conversation, the effect it has in the present, the effect it has in the future, I really don't want to talk about anything else right now because I think we should just focus on the subject at hand, the situation at hand. And it's just very important for all of us. I think the big thing that we got out of this conversation is that, as I say on every show, be a role model to your sphere of influence. Well, right now, we have to be a role model to our sphere of life. Right. You know, everybody around us. One of the ways to, yes, protesting is important, done in the proper way. This protest is so meaningful for the horrific, horrific situation that in no way can be excused and needs to be dealt with harshly, sincerely harshly to the people that caused this situation. And what has to be done in the future is like John said, <clears throat> police policing the police, <clears throat> us policing ourselves. Mm. But the bottom line is, I think if we can do anything as a citizens of America, as citizens of the world, as rightful citizens to each other, is to be the best we can be, to stand and be lawful, to stand and be correct, to realize that racism is wrong. No matter what colors are out there, we are all created equal. Mm. Let's treat everybody equal. And I think just like life starts at home, this is where life and society starts within ourselves. So we need to be an example and set an example right. by being the best we can be. Yeah. I really don't know any other way. The, I, it's just The present dictates the future. Yes, it does. And the way we act today, whether it's with the COVID situation and we immediately get slammed back, sequestered in this, the protesting situation and all the stuff that has been going on, the curfews, everything else, we've got to stand tall. That's all I can say. We've got to stand tall, be the best you can be and be good to everybody around you. It's the craziest year of our lives, Bruce. It is. It is. And it's not over. No. And it's going to maybe even get crazier. We don't yeah. know what to expect. All I know is I'm going to be driving to Las Vegas. I'm going to be doing the show this weekend. I can't wait to see everybody from the Octagon for UFC 250. We know it's a big show. Uh, lots going on in the show. We've got uh, Amanda Nunes coming back, fighting the featherweight championship, Felicia Spencer. Cody Garbrandt, we've not seen him for a long time against Rafael Asenso. Uh, uh, it's a great Sterling. card. It's a fantastic it's a card. card. Yeah. And, and a beautiful Stan building Hager. as well. That that Apex Center is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Uh, all the safety protocols in place. Can't wait to get there. Can't wait to roar. And I'll be there for the shows on the 20th and 27th. So with that being said, everybody, I hope this show has been informative in its own way. I hope it's been enlightening in its own way. But I hope most of all, it just opens up all of our eyes, ears, feelings, being the human beings that we are to be able to look at this and just be the best we can be. And with that, I'm going to sign off as I always do. I hope everybody out there stays safe, stays sane. I wish you all the best and everything you have to deal with, positive and negative. We will come out of this. But most of all, please be a role model to your sphere of influence. Be the best you can be to yourself. Be the best you can be to everybody around you. 
and set your goals because goals are meant to be set. There's many goals for the future. We still have a life to lead, folks. So step out on that path. Be the best you can be and win. It's a simple message. It's an important show. And the future holds a lot of importance for all of us. So let's make it 100% positive and let's help change this world to be the best it could be than it's ever been. With that being said, love you all internationally. Can't thank you enough for listening to us in this time. TJ, love you, brother. And um, buffer out. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Toyota's Labor Day sales event is ending soon. Save big with 0% APR on 13 of Toyota's top-selling models like RAV4, Camry, and Corolla. Don't wait. Toyota's Labor Day sales event ends Monday. Toyota, let's go places. Click the banner or visit buyatoyota.com. Hi, this is Stephanie from Safeway. Exciting news. Safeway, Chevron, and Texaco are offering even more savings at the pump. Now through September 8th, shop at Safeway and redeem up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations and at Safeway fuel stations. Shop Safeway this week and earn up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards. This is Stephanie from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is $1 per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons for a limited time. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details in-store or at Safeway.com.